Hebrews chapter 13 verses 15 to 16. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. The title of today's sermon is Sacrifice of Praise from Hebrews 13 verses 15 to 16. Part of the author's closing remarks were instructions on praising God, defined as verbal thanksgiving and sharing witness to others in his name, all of which are considered pleasing sacrifices to God. Christ's sacrifice was made once and for all time, there was no need and there is no need for animal sacrifices. And there is no need to sacrifice Christ again. However, believers can offer sacrifices of praise. And if you remember in the preceding verses, the author said, we have an altar in which those who serve in the tabernacle, meaning the Jewish Judaism, in Jewish in the Jewish system have no part. And this altar he now mentions as sacrifices of praise. The altar, of course, is where we worship God, which is from our hearts, and the offering we give are no longer animals, and Christ is no longer sacrificed, because his sacrifice was powerful, powerful enough to last for eternity. Therefore, what do we offer? We offer sacrifices of praise. And that's the first point I'd like to make, the sacrifice of praise. Through Christ, believers continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Praises to God are forever and continuous. Instead of sacrificing animals like in the old ways, believers offer a sacrifice of praise. The altar of incense in the holy place in the tabernacle is continuously uh, producing smoke as incense to the Lord. In one sense, people say that we still do that in a sense, but not in the old ways, but from within our hearts as we praise and thank the Lord. Let us look at verse 15. Through him then, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Through him, through whom? Through Christ. And that is important. We go to the Father through Christ. We praise the Father through Christ. It is in his name that we offer our praises. The author instructed the readers to praise God in Christ's name. And if you look at there's a word continually, meaning consistently. Consistently 
praising God. Of course, there is much to praise God for, like the blessings we have in Christ, forgiveness, our relationship with God, and God writing his laws in our minds and hearts. What does that mean? It's God giving us a new heart, a heart that desires Christ himself, a desire to obey the law of God, a desire to follow him. The Father brought us to Christ and made us partakers of the promise. But take note again, let me bring you back to the word continually. Continually. He was telling the believers to continually praise God. And what were they going through? They were going through discrimination. Although the persecution was not continually or sporadic here and there, yet they experienced it. They experienced the discrimination, the feeling of being outcast because of their belief in Christ. Yet the author said continually. What does that mean? It doesn't matter what you're going through. What matters is you continue to offer sacrifices of praise. In a manner of speaking, it sounds like a sacrifice if you praise God when things are not doing okay, when things are not going well. We praise God, and by praising God, in a manner of speaking, that is a sacrifice to God, meaning it doesn't, your mood doesn't matter. For some people, they praise God when they are in the mood to praise God. And when they're not in the mood, they don't praise God. The mood doesn't matter. Our emotions are secondary. What matters is whether you feel like it or not, whether they felt it or not, whether they felt like doing it or not. Well, the Jewish believers had to praise God, because the word here is continually. Continually. Now, this is also consistent with other writings. And uh, there is some consistency here with Paul, the apostle, for example, where he says, in everything give thanks, or at all times give thanks. Now, at all times, meaning whether it seems good or not, whether you are prosperous or poor, whether there are happy events or sad events. The point is, there must be something that we should do continuously. And in Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, give thanks always, always. And here we will see in the next verse that praising God is also thanking God. Now, thanking God is, that praising God is defined as thanking God as well. But the key word is continuously. When we face trouble, what do we do? What is the natural thing that a believer must do? You, the author was saying to the Jewish believers, praise God, continuously. You feel like an outcast because uh, the Jewish people treating you as an outcast and praise God. Some of you lost property because you helped others who, who were imprisoned in the name of Christ. So what do you do? Well, you praise God. We praise God continually. And that is something we must all remember. If the 
does not depend on the situation. Praising God is something that must be done always, at all times. Next point, thanksgiving in his name. Praising God is giving thanks and acknowledging Jesus Christ. Furthermore, believers must do so verbally because all genuine thanksgiving comes from the heart. Thus, pleasing Him is about verbally thanking Him. It comes from the heart, yes, but it must come out of the mouth. Now, many of us thank God quietly in our prayers, and that is fantastic. And we should continuously thank God on the personal level. However, our thanksgiving must be heard by others as well. Let's look at the second part of the verse. That is the fruit of lips praising his name. The fruit of our lips praising his name, in other translations, the fruit of the lips thanking him. Thanking him. So it's verbal, it's not contained within. That is why when uh, during the growth group, one of the key questions that we have is share your blessing. What are you thankful for? And uh, it's a practice that in every growth group that I lead, that is always a key part. It is not immediately studying the Bible or immediately discussing what the sermon was about, but the important factor there was what are you thankful for? And I know that is why it is important to gather together, as the author also mentioned, encourage one another, do not neglect the meeting of one another. And this should be done as often as we can. Together, that's why the growth group or the discipleship group is very important. And that simple question, what, are, what is your trends report? Well, what are you thankful about? That is very important. Why? It gives each one the opportunity to obey these verses. The fruit of our lips, take note, it includes the lips, meaning us speaking it. This week, I thank God for blank. And it should be specific. Of course, we can thank God generally for all the food we have eaten or taken. But to remember something quite specific for the week means you zero in on something that you are truly grateful for. I thank God for the opportunity to blank. I thank God for this knowledge I picked up from somebody. And you can share that specific knowledge. Because praising God and thanking Him is a verbal thing. That is why in, in, in the growth groups, that is very much advice not to forget that mark. What are you thankful for? How about you? And you, each one, obeys. And this is actually found in the Psalms. This is rooted in the Psalms where people thank God. That's why when a group becomes so large, if you've been in my growth group, I break it down into smaller groups before we gather again for the word or we break it down so everybody has a chance to speak 
to verbally mention to others. And this is a habit that we must all have. Take note, the earlier part, the first part of verse 15 is continually. It means it's a habit. It's a regular thing. Many times believers find it difficult to thank God when one is suffering. Yet even in the proof group, I know that some of them are suffering. I still ask, what are you thankful for? And it's good to have that habit to share to others what we are thankful for. That is why if you're not sharing your thanksgiving to others, in a manner of speaking, you're disobeying the word. That's why please gather, or at home when you come together to the dinner table, some might say about their thanksgiving to the Lord and praise the Lord. His name is praised in that manner. It's not just updating what's happening to me. No, it's a thanking God about it. It's thanking God. And it makes the heart of the believer lighter. Because when you begin to say thank you, Lord, for the trial, sometimes you ease the pressure from yourself. It, it aligns your mindset to God and His purpose. Because, Lord, you have a purpose for everything and you're always teaching me and giving me wisdom and you're letting me go through these difficult times. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for shaping me. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for aligning me to your word. And once again, it's verbal. It's not just a quiet thing. Now, if I advise you, if you're such a quiet person and you're a shy person, you can write it down before the growth group starts. Write down three things I want to praise God for. And I remember my father-in-law does that regularly when we were having growth groups in, in Quezon City. Uh, he would be, or in passing before, at the beginning, he usually starts. Well, let me begin. I want to thank God for the seven things I wrote this week that I'm thanking God for. And it's usually very, very specific. And uh, doing that praises God. Praising God is not just simply about songs, but I love songs, honestly. I love good songs that worship God because we remember these lyrics. And in a, form, in a way, they are like preaching that reminds us but it's also uh, words that are in our hearts. We sing from the heart to God. It lifts the soul as well. But being specific about the thanksgiving also lifts the soul, but more importantly, gives glory to God. Despite the circumstance, we should give thanks to the Lord. We should praise the Lord with the fruit of our lips. So it implies here that what the author was saying, do not neglect the gathering, in chapter 10, verse 21, 25, is consistent because how can you speak about God's praises when you have no one to talk to? When no one's listening to you? Therefore, it must be as consistent as possible. And there's something that's spiritual that happens when we meet. I do believe that. There's always something spiritual when we thank the Lord. Something happens, and I believe the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives the more we obey God's Word. So this is not just some part of a program 
because we suggested that program to you. No, this is glorifying God. It has to be verbal. And the third point is sharing goodness. The author encourages the believers not to forget doing good, not to neglect sharing with each other. Although the author mentions such prior in the latter part of chapter 10, where he commended them to, uh, because of the good work they're doing to one another, but he encourages them to continue. Because will God find faith on the earth? Will God find faith when he returns? He's not connecting the good works as a fruit of the faith. He explained that such acts were considered offerings to God as well. So doing good is no longer a point system. Like in, in all religions except Christianity, I mean the biblical Christianity, it's really the point system, it's the works. If I do good, perhaps it will atone for the sin I made. No, it doesn't work that way. If you sin, you're still guilty of that sin. And the only forgiveness you can get is through Christ. And the only way is through his suffering, death, and resurrection that you can be forgiven. Be forgiven. And Jesus said to his apostles, you are witnesses of the suffering, death, and my resurrection. He mentioned that, uh, therefore proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It's never a point system. Now, if you think it's a point system, then you misunderstood the gospel. Well, every religion would say it's about good works. If you think that way, then you misunderstood the gospel. No amount of your good work can make up for the crime you've committed. Sin is like a crime before God. Whether it's gossip or lust, whatever it is, whether it is hatred for somebody, it's a crime you've committed, and therefore you have to pay for it. It's just like, for example, a thief would say, I know I'm a thief and I'm guilty. But please don't punish me. I have done more good for others. Um, you're still a thief, and the law says you have to be punished because of your thievery. It's not about the question of how many you help. You're still guilty. In the same way, in God, because if it's about good works, then there is no need for Christ to die. It's just about good works. The point is, man cannot save himself. His sin is ever before him. And if you look at the Old Testament, an innocent lamb must be sacrificed. Somebody innocent of your sin must take your place. And, and, and the Jewish people did that every year. Every year they had to do that. Sacrifice uh, an animal. Somebody had no connection, an animal with no connection to to your sin, they will have to suffer for your sin. That's substitution. And in Old Testament law, ceremonial law, that is, was how it worked in their relationship with God. That's why Jesus was mentioned in the New Testament, where John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And even in Revelations, it was mentioned, He is the Lamb of God because He had no sin and He's innocent of our sin. But he, he is the only worthy substitute. That's why whoever has faith in him, believe in what he did. What you have to understand before you believe. Believe in what he did. It's relevance. Believing in what God promised through him. And if you believe, you eventually will repent of your sin. 
So it's not about the point system. So doing good now here is an offering of worship, an offering of praise. It's like a sacrifice. Doing good, it's now not a point system. Because if you still believe that it's about your good works that will save you, then you misunderstood the gospel. And you're still not in faith in Christ. And you are still not a believer. You're not just a believer or a hero, Jesus, whose name is Jesus Christ. You have to understand what he represents. He represents the Father, and he represents what? Both the justice and the grace of God, or mercy of God in one. That's what Christ represents. The justice of God, receiving the justice of God on our behalf, and yet giving the mercy of God on God's behalf. Understanding that is very, very important. Otherwise, then you wouldn't understand why he had to die. It's like a question mark. Oh, so he loved me, he died. Oh, why he's dying on the cross? What's the connection? He died on the cross. What's the connection with me? Unless you understood. The foundation of the New Testament is the Old Testament. Understanding the ceremonial system of the law makes us appreciate the words of the New Testament. So doing good is what? No longer about so that I may be saved, but more of it's a sacrifice to the Lord. It's an offering that is pleasing to God. I'd like to do it because this pleases God. That's why we do good. Let's read verse 16. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So the author called doing good and sharing as what? Sacrifices that what? That God is pleased with. So when problems and triumphs arise, one often forgets to do good and share blessings with others. Yes, when we have trials, we stop doing good to others sometimes because we're preoccupied with survival, our own. But in reality, if you, yes, of course, think about your own survival, what can you do to feed your family, but in effect, by still blessing others, somehow, God blesses you because that is an offering that is acceptable to God. If you remember the stories of both Elijah and Elisha in their encounter with the widow, there was a famine in the land, both cases, separate events. When the Lord led them to, to two separate widows in two separate times, and uh, they, they asked for food. And uh, the widow shared. And uh, in one particular case, well, as long as there were jars to fill, the widow did not laugh, was poured in such a blessing. And, and by doing good and sharing with others, even at times when we have difficult times, that's why we encourage you, be faithful to the Lord. And one service to the Lord is encouraging one another in the good groups, giving importance to that no matter what. Yesterday I had the pleasure of being part of a first year anniversary of a house church in Pamplona and uh, with a family that is dear to my heart as well. 
who has served our family for a long time, and I would expect and see how God blessed them. Um, and it was a pleasure to serve God by being there and delivering God's message. Uh, but then again, I heard a, every time my brother shares his story of how he put God first and how God blessed him, uh, there was a season that he was not putting God first because he thought, oh, there's so much opportunity doing business, so I'd rather put business, time for business, and I'll definitely give time to the Lord. And, uh, but he said his, that made his daughter uncomfortable, who was quite very committed to the Lord, to attend worship and to listen to God's word. And he sacrificed the opportunity. But even though he, he thought there were a lot of, of effort he made, and there was a lot of business, but in the end, the income was very small. And he said, you know, and I know what he meant because I've been through that. You worked so much. and. and you thought there was a large sum of money that you were you were spinning or, or you were uh, turning around with a large money, but in the end, how come it's just this? Then he decided to put God first and make sure that the house church continues and then uh, he regularly comes to the service. And during a short span of time, he suffered. He put God first and then there was suffering. But then he kept trusting in the Lord. And what happened was, God opened doors that are much, much larger compared to what he had before. There was a season of trial by putting God first. There was a season of suffering, yet they persisted in faith. And in the right time, God gave them the formula. And he met, he met supplier and buyer. And big ones, by God's grace. And I'm so thankful. And I said, you know what? That's a fantastic story. Where even in the time of suffering, or, or because you put God first, and then business went down, you kept trusting in the Lord. And as you persisted, as he persisted, God did bless him. And it's true in what the wisdom book says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And sometimes, you know, when we have troubles, we put less on the work of God. I'm not saying do not solve your problems. I'm saying let us continue to do good because these are sacrifices that please God. And just by consistently gathering in growth groups and building one another spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, just by listening to others and you sharing your, your blessings and insights by glorifying God, something happens. And I hope you don't neglect that in favor of other things to do. There are many things to do that occupy the young people today because they have gadgets these, these, in this era. Once upon a time, there were no gadgets. It's easy to gather people to hear God's word. But because of gadgets and games, somehow they, if you hurry up what you're doing so that you can play, then you're missing the point. There's so many things to watch online. There are many things to, to, to do to pick our curiosity. However, to come together, to thank God and share good to one another. And the sharing is not only the spiritual blessings, but even at times we have to share material blessings with one another. 
And that when problems arise, let us not forget to do good and share blessings with others. Because when we become, we become preoccupied with our problems, when we become self-centric, we focus on our issues, then that's the part when we become blind. And then what happens is you focus too much on the problem. Instead of solving the problem, because you focus so much, you become emotionally involved in the problem. And you know, one of the things in solving problems is not to be emotionally involved in the problem. That's not every, not everybody knows how to do that, but that's a discipline we have to learn. And that has helped me a lot when there's a issue and a problem, take a step back, oh, remove the emotion more, how can you do that? Worship God, praise God, pray deeply, meditate on his word and pray that you have a detachment that, and then solve the problem. But you know, by meeting others and blessing others, by coming to church and listening to God's word, somehow it removes us from being overly focused on a problem. Because the problem is if you keep focusing on a problem, the problem becomes bigger, you become emotionally involved, and then it becomes bigger than what really than, than compared to what it really is. We make things bigger that are not that big. Some of us are immediately emotional about small problems. I remember in college where there was one guy, every time the professor would give up an assignment, he would go emotional, really negatively emotional. I think that's why we're in college, dude, because we have to, to be trained to match these assignments. I think that's the reason why we have these. But every time he was upset, and I'm kind of saying, I think you're kind of missing the point here. Uh, and sometimes we're missing the point. Why are there trials? To strengthen our faith. It produces, the testing of our faith produces endurance. It produces endurance. But if every problem comes in, we can say, that's not the point, you're missing the point. That means if problems come, you're still consistent with what? Praising God, thanking Him, and doing good and sharing with others. Therefore, the author expected them to share their blessings with each other, even if they went through difficult situations. Never forget who the author is writing to. These people were ostracized, considered outcasts, socially discriminated, but hanging there, hanging on to their faith not committing apostasy. Some have committed apostasy. The author is telling them, be strong, have faith, and continuously do this. Share goodness with one another, and even share goodness to others. Don't forget that, because God is pleased with that. Application, we must have one, a lifestyle of praise. Live a lifestyle of praising God. Take note lifestyle of praising God. We should continuously praise God and it should be second nature. Uh, what second nature? It's like breathing, drinking, and eating, or even sleeping. Consider every praise as an offering to the Father in the name of the Son. And you know, we have to change our expressions. If your expressions or your cuss words are still cuss words, we have to change it consciously, instead of reacting and saying such uh, words that sound like curse words, we'd rather say, God, it is good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
when you hear good news or bad news. A lifestyle of praise would say, thank you, Lord. My favorite is, God is good. It reminds me of the goodness of God in Christ. Praising God is part of who we are. It should be part of who we are. We do not have to think about it or plan it. It should just happen. Well, that is if every day we learn to praise Him, it becomes second nature. The Spirit of God leads us to praise Him, to call Him Father. Remember what Romans 8 says, Paul wrote there, that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, and the Spirit actually gives us the words Abba, Father. You know the word Abba is, is an endearment call to the Father. It's like Daddy. It's Papa. So it's a, an endearment. It's not a formal Father. Abba is not a formal Father, God. No, but the Spirit allows us to be intimate with Him and we praise Him. So our primary expressions should be praises to God. Number two, uh, thanksgiving in all seasons. Let us verbalize our thanksgiving for others to hear, for others to hear in Christ's name. Others must hear our praises to Him, our thanksgiving. And like I mentioned again and again, the pattern we gave the growth groups is perfect for this. Where first we welcome one another, we share stories, and then we ask each one, anyone would like to go first to share their thanksgiving to God. And each one shares one, two, or three items, some even more, to thank the Lord. However, if we can't go to the growth groups, it should be normal among family members to just say, I want to thank the Lord for this. I just want to make an announcement before we eat, before we pray. I want to thank God for this. Praise God. And others should hear it at all times, which means in good times or in difficult times, we should thank God for others to hear. Now, what do others do? That's not right. When you're having difficulty, they what? Turn turtle. You know, turning turtle? You can't find them. Where is she? Where is he? He's turned turtle. Turn turtle is getting into the shell and hiding. Because I'm having a difficult time. I don't want others to know. There's still too much pride in that. If you don't want others to know you're difficult, there's still too much pride in you. Because you might think what others will say. Don't turn turtle. You say, I'm going through a trial. Some of it is my fault and I confess my sin, but I thank the Lord for the process. Always thanking God, always thanking God at all times for others to hear. Now, thanksgiving may be done through songs, but I like doing narratives. Narratives, sharing a short story. Uh, what happened to me last week and the short story. Short narratives and updates that offer thanksgiving to God are a form of praise. It is an offering. And you know, make that an integral part of your life, I tell you. Your mindset will improve. Your emotional life will improve. And lastly, we learn to give, share blessings as worship. 
Sharing our time for and material things to others is a form of sacrifice. That pleases God. In his name, let's share God's goodness to others, which is a form of worship. We share both material and spiritual blessings. We share God's goodness to the lost. How? By proclaiming the gospel of Christ, which is about his suffering, death, because of our sin, and his resurrection, because he had no sin, and he gives eternal life. Therefore, we obey what Jesus said in Luke 24, proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So, how do we bless the lost? By preaching the gospel. Not preaching you have to be a better person, or God will make you a better person. Not preaching God has a wonderful plan for your life. No, that's not the focus. It might be partially true, but it's not completely true. If they don't repent, the plan of God is to bring them to eternal damnation. That's the plan. So, yes, God has a wonderful plan. Now you have to repent. Don't end God loves you, period. No. He's a substitute for the forgiveness of sin. But if you have faith, you receive that mercy of God, that grace of God. If you don't, turn away from your sin and follow him. Then the plan is clear, eternal damnation. So eternal life for eternal damnation. That is what we proclaim. And that too is an offering of sacrifice to the Lord. So let me share to you a poem entitled, Offer Sacrifices. Through Christ Jesus, praise the Father, in our hearts and as we gather. Praise Him today and every day, through the Savior, the only way. We speak His name in thanksgiving, our voices God glorify. His mighty deeds proclaim throughout, gratitude in whisper or shout. Share our blessings as one body, telling of the gospel story, giving to the community, and strengthening our unity. Praise us thanksgiving and giving, all are counted as offering. In faith, let's sacrifice to him. From our hearts, let's proclaim and sing. The only way to the Father is through Christ Jesus, the Savior. Thus, have faith in the promises and trust in what Scripture says. Let's all rise and let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your message. We thank you that you have blessed us abundantly through Jesus Christ. The spiritual blessings are abundant. We don't deserve it. Nobody does. And that's the essence of grace. It's something we do not deserve. Allow us to understand it's not through our good works. It's not passing a standard. The standard is set after we believe. We believe that we may have eternal life. And we're inspired to be conformed to the image of Christ, which is who is the standard. 
Yet we know we are still sinners, saved by grace alone, through faith alone. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these reminders that we must continually offer sacrifices of praise, that we must verbalize these praises, that we must speak of our thanksgiving, that we may glorify you. For these are sacrifices of praise, not in the old-fashioned altar of the tabernacle, but in Christ and through Christ. May we learn to not neglect our gathering, that we may share blessings to one another, share goodness to one another, for such is also offerings of sacrifices to you. For they please you as well when we bless one another in prayer, one another as we share our thanksgiving, one another as we share our insights from the word. We bless one another as we give and support one another as well. Teach us to grow in offering sacrifices of praise. Make this our lifestyle, O Lord. To you be the glory. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you.